Hi, I'm Bobby, a caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and author of two books on caregiving. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate, a certified music therapist. We do presentations at dementia care conferences. Welcome to Dementia Spotlight, tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. Interesting and informative guests will join us on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. And on the opposite Wednesdays, we will provide straight talk about what people need to know before and after caregiving begins, including controversial issues that others tend to avoid. You know, when I think about aging, two things come to my mind. First is my dad and how it was difficult to find things for him to do after he wasn't able to go out and walk like he used to. And the other is my grandmother, who at the age of 99, went into an assisted living facility. And she was actually there for three years. And in the facility, they had many activities, including a program that I was fascinated with that they called sitter size, where they would exercise while sitting down, just keeping the muscles moving, the joints moving, but also getting a little bit of activity. Well, one of the things I'd like to say about aging is we start aging the moment that we're born, um, and hopefully it continues for a very long time, and that we will be able to just stay active and involved for as long as possible. And that is one thing that we have people coming to us because they don't know what to do or have them do, and they end up sitting all day long, you know, either watching television or just being bored. And all of us need to feel engaged and all of us need to feel that we have a purpose for being here. So I was absolutely fascinated when I found Amy and the work that she's doing. And hopefully with our talk today, us and our listeners will come with some activities that will help not only the caregiver, but also the person in care. Uh, Talk about ages Caregivers come in all ages. You know, we have teen caregivers, but we have people in their 60s and 70s who are caring for somebody in their 80s and 90s. So this older population covers both. And that brings us to today's guest. For over 30 years, she committed her work to improving the lives of older adults in some form or fashion. She is passionate about issues related to living a full life, active aging, and ageism. She and her husband started Aging is Cool in 2016 with the goal to help older adults live a full and active life. Dementia Spotlight is pleased to welcome Amy Temperley. Amy, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. My pleasure to be here and my pleasure to do the work. It's a really positive uh, way to be in the world and it reminds me all the time what I need to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) So what brought you into this work? You know, I've worked with older adults for for 30 years, but early on, I was a social worker. I was working in nursing homes, assisted living, Alzheimer's Association. Um, And a few years ago, my husband, who's a fitness instructor, said, I want to create better stuff. And as I looked back, my very first job out of college, I was an activity director in a nursing home. And when you look at what's happening today in some of those communities and and, uh, living situations, the activities are very similar. 
we're seeing a lot, you still see a lot of bingo, you still see a lot of um, coloring books and maybe things that aren't very evolved. And so we started talking about how do we create the kinds of classes and experiences that we would want. I'm 53, you know, pretty soon I'm going to be, you know, looking at those kinds of needs myself. What do I want, you know, and what's, what are the new and interesting things out there? And we just started listening to what people wanted and creating. And here we are with Aging is Cool seven years later. <laughs> well, it certainly beats the alternative now, doesn't it? Uh, it does. <laughs> it does. Uh, we often talk about um, the benefits of music for people. You know, get it gets them up and moving. It helps with them uh, recall pleasant memories from the past. I would imagine that probably is something that you work with. We do. We do. We have our company has three main goals. The first one is stay strong, which is our fitness. The second is stay smart, which is kind of cognitive health. And the third is stay social, which is that interaction piece. And music is a big piece that can play a role in all of those things. Um, you know, music is very often included with fitness classes. So it helps people kind of get moving and, and, um, gives you a reason to kind of flow your body in that space. We know that music is incredibly helpful for the brain, whether that be reminiscing or um, learning to play music. You think about drumming, you think about using uh, both sides of your body, which is incredibly good for you. And then that social component, you know, music is social and it connects people and it brings them together. So yeah, it fits it very nicely into the work that we do. You know, Mike, Mike is a drummer. So, um, and I often tell people, drummers drum on everything, you know, including my, my thigh, my arm, you know, whatever it might be. But one of, the, one of the things that I've seen happen in memory care is the use of a great big ball and some drumsticks and, and, they're, and they're rhythming it and it's getting their arms moving and it's getting, you know, they're engaging with the music. I think that is so much better. You know, we hear from a lot of caregivers who are looking for the person in their care give them something to do. And we've done it ourselves is to have them fold some towels. Well, okay. How many towels do you have? Well, you can always <laughs> take the towel and shake it out and bring them back the same bunch, but that's really not engaging them in anything that's uh, using the stay strong, stay smart, stay social that, that Amy wants us to do. Yeah, it's, and having worked in dementia care facilities many years ago, yes, we, you know, those pieces of purpose and meaning and okay, so we fold some towels or we help with tasks. That's important. It is important. But if you're, if you're in and working with a, a residential community or a memory care site, it's really important that, that when you look at the activity calendar, that there are things that incorporate a person's whole self right? Your, your um, emotional well-being, your connection to other people, your physical health, your spirituality. It's really important to see a well-rounded activity program. And that's kind of where we came in was, you know, we wanted to see things that went just a little bit deeper. Um, you also want to look at programming that plays to people's strengths versus trying to mitigate their weaknesses, yeah. right? What can they still do? How do we play on that? Some of our most well-attended classes in memory care are our fitness activities. And it's people that you wouldn't expect that um, could participate. But because you're demonstrating movement and you've got music going, before you know it, the person in the back of the room that never responds to anything is all of a sudden moving along with you. And whether they're doing it correctly or not, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. 
Um, we do brain games in memory care sites because we want to play upon what they can do. Um, even if they're just sitting and listening and watching a presenter or somebody engaging at the front of the room and, you know, only half the room is participating, it's still good for them, right? It's still stimulating them. And so we really want to play to those strengths and, you know, virtually any class that we would do in independent living for a person who's 50 and living on their own, we can adapt that to a memory care location. So I think we have to really, um, whether you're at home or in a community, think about that. You know, what do you like to do on a regular basis and how can you adapt that to the person that you're caring for? Now, one of the things I saw when I was on your website is that you have, I want to say daily activities, but it's not daily. It's four days a week, right? Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and it's online and you basically log in and you can do the exercise class or you could do the different activities that are associated. And I would imagine that during COVID, that was extremely beneficial for folks because they couldn't go out anywhere, but they could do it right there in their own home and be a part of some activity. And I think that was just absolutely awesome. Or here I am in Virginia and I can do it and you're in Texas. Completely. Yeah, virtual activities really came to the forefront during COVID, but have continued to be a really big part of people's lives. You know, you think about maybe you can't drive or if you are caregiving with someone at home who's wheelchair bound or has other needs, it's hard to get out and go to the senior center, or go to something. And there are literally hundreds and hundreds of activities that you can do online every day. Uh, one of the things that we did during the pandemic is partnered with another um, a designer basically and built a website where you can find activities from all over the world every single day. Oh. And so it's called it's called a mighty good time. It's a mighty good time.com. It is free and every single day you can find about 50 to 60 different classes to do um, online. Um, and some phone based. There's a lot of phone based programs as well. So if you're not, you know, comfortable with a Zoom type of situation, you literally can pick up the phone and do an, I, I taught a fitness class by phone the other day. <laughs> so, I'm just explaining it to people who have me on speakerphone and they're, you know, exercising along with it. Um, so there are so many opportunities to do that. And if you're a caregiver, it's something that you can either sit and do with your loved one, or sometimes if you can just get it set up, Maybe you can leave the room and go do something else and it allows them to have some sort of interaction with other people or, um, you know, something engaging and interesting to do so that you can go do something else, even if that's taken out. Now, we've been talking a lot about the physical, which is great. You know, you mentioned your age. I'm 74. It's, you know, I want to be able to maintain muscle mass. I want to be able to have strong bones. I want to be able to move and still maintain my balance. Um, I'm pretty healthy for an old lady, but you know, you can't, can't stop things from happening. So what we're talking about is very important, but I'm also interested in this stay smart part of what you do um, and how that might engage somebody who's in the early stages of a dementia? Yeah, that one's been a really big one for us. My husband started getting really engaged with sort of brain research and brain health um, a few years ago. 
And, you know, we didn't know until recent years that you could continue to build new brain cells your entire lifespan. Now, of course, I'm with you 100%. If someone has a diagnosis of a progressive form of dementia, it's going to progress. But being able to create new connections as for as long as you can, and again, to play on those strengths. So we do everything from reminiscing games, you know, like, can you remember, you know, President Obama's wife's name, you know, it's sort of memory games, right? So that's part of it. It could be something like um, puzzles or games. Uh, One we often do is, you know, think about going to the grocery store and let's name as many kinds of fruit as we can think of. Um, There's also a place where we do a lot of cross body movement. So things that um, anytime your hands cross your central median, and I know that's kind of hard because I'm, I'm showing you and I know we're, we're only audio, um, but anytime you do something kind of across your body is really good for your brain. So we do a lot of pu- games like that where like patting your head and rubbing your stomach where you're doing two things with different sides of your body. Um, but, you know, encouraging people to use what skills they have as long as possible. And that's great fun for 30 minutes. If we do some trivia or if we do some games like that, um, it's, it has multiple purposes and you're engaging with your loved one, which is always, you know, one of the very best things you can do for brain health is socialize and interact with other people. And it just gives you an excuse to socialize. Um, Whereas sometimes with our loved one, if they've got dementia, Maybe we don't do that. Maybe all our conversations are about um, what's for dinner or let's, hey, mom, let's get dressed or whatever. It gives an excuse for another type of conversation that's more positive and engaging. One of the guests that we had on in the past in our in our previous podcast actually went into memory care facilities with found things like a horseshoe and put that out and people would start talking about that or say a Coca-Cola bottle from the past, and people would start talking about that. Um, That I found a very interesting thing, because we're not saying, do you remember? We're saying, look at this. And then it started engaging them in conversations. So maybe even some old toys or things like that. Yeah, there's a program I don't know if you're familiar with called Time Slips, which is a storytelling program that kind of builds on the same thing and they've done a lot of research on it, but they have uh, intriguing photos that they bring in. So maybe it's a photo of a young man drinking from a water fountain with a puppy nearby. And then what you do is you have the participants or even just one-on-one tell you a story about that. And you, it's fully made up. It's, you know, who is this boy and what's the dog's name and what do you think they were doing? Why, why did they need a drink of water? Why were they thirsty? And you tell a story. And so you're right. It doesn't, again, it plays on that strength and creativity and doesn't depend on the memory piece of it. Um, and so you've got this beautiful thing that evolves that you create together. It's a really fascinating program. You know, one of the things we did years ago, we would have some family dinners, right? With the, with the kids and the in-laws and, and, and so on. And we found these um, napkin holders at one of the local secondhand stores. And a lot of them were engraved and they had different engravings on them, like initials or monograms. And so we put those on and we went around the table and everybody had to look at the monogram on the napkin holder, tell who they were and what they did in life. <laughs> and came up with some uh, uh, interesting stories, especially from, from our son who had J-B-D. 
and he said his name was Joey Bag of Donuts. <laughs> and went on <laughs> and, and, and went down that path. And, and of course, it created some very interesting stories, again, made up and just exercising a part of the brain, the creativity part of the brain. I love that too. And it's all about the moments, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we try to create special moments through the day. And if you can get 10 minutes of a giggle or a smile, then you've done something beautiful that day, even if that's the only thing you do. And so, you know, having those special times together um, are beneficial, if nothing else, for the caregiver, right? You're going to remember that moment of joy with your loved one. So how do we create more moments? I don't think I'll ever forget Joey Bag of Donuts, (laughs) just because it was so out there. (laughs) You wish you had thought of it. That's <laughs> Actually, I probably should have said that I thought of it. Nobody would ever know. Now, going along with your uh, Stay Smart, I saw on the website, and our, our granddaughter really likes those word problems. And today it said, I am only two words long, but have thousands of letters. And so it's not just for somebody aging to keep them sharp, but there's many folks that like those type of things. Well, completely. And, and, and that's what I like to try and remind people. And this is part of why we started Aging is Cool is we, we saw so often that when people turned 65 or 70, that we started dumbing down activities. And, and, that, and that sounds, I mean, that's a really harsh way to put it, but that's what we were seeing. Just because you're 65 or 70 or have dementia doesn't mean you don't still love all the things that you used to love and want to be to grow and change and improve and have purpose, as we mentioned before. And so why are we doing that? Like, what's the what is the point of that? There's no need to to, you know, we may need to adapt we may need to, you know, change a fitness class to seated because people are disabled. Mm-hmm. We may need to offer more options or slow down our language or things like that. But we don't have to alter programming. Like right. we do we do crafts for people who are in an independent living. And then we have a different set of crafts that we do for people with dementia that are just a little bit easier, that have fewer steps, that maybe don't require as much dexterity. But we still do crafts and we still do crafts that people can gift to their loved ones or that they want to show in their rooms, not things that just, you know, end up in the trash because they're not worth, you know, keeping, right? It's not, it's about meaning and how do we keep that going? Well, you know, as I mentioned before, I am considered, I'm considered elderly, Um, but I am still Bobby. I'm the Bobby that I always have been. And I've told my children what changes as you age is not you, it's people's perception of of you based on your age. And I do a great deal of reading. And every time I'm reading a book and they're talking about this, this woman in her 60s who, you know, dresses like grandma and, you know, who's got her hair, gray hair in a bun. Well, there are so many active, vital sexy women in their 60s out there that, you know, we shouldn't even be looking at that, talking about that anymore. Yeah. It's not just about how people talk to you. It's about how we talk to ourselves as we get older. And there's some recent research showing that our own ageist attitudes towards ourselves actually impact our lifespan to the tune of about seven years. So people who are ageist against themselves actually die younger than the rest of the population. Wow. And you'll see that if I think, oh gosh, I'm just too old. I can't do that anymore. 
I'm probably going to sit down in my chair. I'm going to watch a lot of TV. I'm probably not going to interact as much. I may not eat as well. I may not sleep as well. I may have depression. It impacts your health. And so, you know, yes, you can continue to be vital and active your entire lifespan. I know people that are nearly 100 years old that do our classes every single day online. And do it better than me. I've had three back surgeries. And our, our one of our participants, Gladys, she's 97, she outshines me every time. Every time I, I quit halfway, she's still going. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's about how we see ourselves um, and how we're ageist towards ourselves. But the other side of that coin is you probably feel good about it because she's having that moment. And that's your whole purpose, right? Yes. Yeah, completely. Completely. Yes. And there are things that I can't do, you know, in my fifties, you know, I was, I was in the gym eight hours a week and I was running regularly. And then I had that back problem and I couldn't run anymore. So, you know, there's, there's things that I would love to do that I can't do anymore, but um, I don't need to be seen as this old lady who can't do anything. We, we, we get two things when we drive up because our cars have, you know, magnetic signs on them that say aging is cool. And when we drive up to a stoplight, we either get the thumbs up or the thumbs down, depending on who's in the car. The people who give us the thumbs up, those are our, those are our people, right? Those are the ones that get it. And they understand that we, as you get older, you're, you're smarter, you're more resilient. You understand yourself and the world around you better. Like I'm better in my fifties than I ever was. And I look forward to who I'll be in my seventies and eighties. And that's exciting. Um, and if we have opportunities to continue to grow and engage, we can just keep getting better and better. Well, I was talking to my daughter on the phone the other night and uh, she said, you know, you're old when you throw your back out, putting your pants on. <laughs> and I said, but honey, you tell me I'm not old, so you can't be old. <laughs> right. One of the really fun things we've been doing, too, is, is experimenting with technology. And we've been taking virtual reality headsets out to um, some of the places that we serve and letting older people experience virtual reality, which first of all is amazing. We had a woman the other day who was a uh, scuba diver. Oh, wow. You know, she's in a wheelchair now. She hasn't been able to dive in years, but we were able to put her in a virtual reality headset where she was underwater and she came out of it just in tears saying, you know, I got to have a moment. And so we're seeing a lot of people starting to use that, particularly with individuals with dementia as well. You can get on VR and go look at your childhood home and literally walk around your neighborhood. I mean, it's it's fascinating. And then um, there's a new group in virtual reality. It is a virtual senior center called Thrive Pavilion, where you can get in your VR goggles with people all around the country, and they all meet up at the senior center in VR. And we've been doing classes there, and they do all kind. They have a book club and conversation groups, and they do all kinds of fun stuff. Wow. Amy, thank you so much for being part of our show. It's been an absolute joy meeting you and talking to you. And I am sure our listeners got a lot out of this. I know we did. Oh, absolutely. Um, and we will be spending a good bit of time on your website and sharing information on our Facebook page as well, because I think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful and so very important. I wanted to mention some of the notes that I took while I was listening to Amy, and I especially I, I, very first thing I 
wrote down, and I wrote it down so fast that my handwriting looks terrible, is stay strong, stay smart, stay social. And every piece of that is so important for all of us, whether we're a caregiver or somebody with a dementia or just somebody who needs care. Um, And not only are they saying it, they're teaching us how to do it. One of the things that we didn't talk about is a lot of the activities on the website were free. So it's not like you have to pay uh, all the time to attend a virtual um, exercise class. But yeah, stay strong, stay smart, stay social. Words to live by. You bet. On our show website, DementiaSpotlight.show, you will find more information about us and links to the Aging is Cool website and Facebook pages. This has been Dementia Spotlight, tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. Bobby and I would love to hear from you, answer any questions you might have, or just find out how you're doing. Follow us on Twitter, at Bobby Carducci 2 and at Michael Carducci 4 To schedule us for your event, go to bobbycarducci.com website or email info at bobbycarducci.com. Dementia Spotlight is produced by Carducci Caregiving Consulting, LLC. 